This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. for downloading the fly fishing consultant podcast this is series one episode 50 the 50th in this first series so we're done with the winter interviews we're getting back on track with me talking about stuff this one was not planned this podcast is brought to you by stupidity and we're going to give our shout out to rebecca that will come into play later on so this is a podcast about removing barbed fish hooks from people. Now, I've been fishing since I was four, and you'd think it would happen more often than not, but I'm going to talk about barbed hook removal mostly for myself. I'm going to give you three stories, but let's start off with the first time I ever saw a barbed hook go into somebody. I used to work at Reston Day Camp. We would take the kids down to Lake Ann, and we'd go to the Warm Bridge, and we'd dig up worms under this bridge. The kids would put them on the hooks, and they'd all have a stick with a piece of monofilament hanging over the dock at Lake Ann. If you're from Reston, if you've ever been to Reston, Virginia, you know about Lake Ann. It's the oldest part of Reston, of the current Reston. Not as, you know, the, it used to be the drunken town of Wheelie back in the day with nudist colonies and everything else. And the kids would hook their, uh, or put the worms on the hook themselves. So this one kid was sitting on the dock and he had the hook on the dock and he was pushing the worm onto it and a kid went by and stepped on his hand hook went into the kid's finger and everyone freaked out. We didn't know what to do. So the kid's back at headquarters at camp and, and everyone's discussing what to do, what to do. The kid's screaming, mom's on the phone, mom shows up. They take the kid to rest in hospital. I don't remember what happened. And that was probably uh, going into my freshman year of college. And it was my sophomore year of college that I took public speaking class. I went to Mary Washington College and this was the first and only class in college where I didn't have a professor with a PhD. 
It's a weird thing about Mary Wash. Everyone had PhDs as professors. Not like my wife went to Ohio State who had adjuncts and TAs and whatever. And this professor was a little crazy. She was always trying to do these pyramid schemes with us and trying to sell us into Excel long distance phone. And she would have her friends come in and try and get us on uh, pyramid schemes. So like she would do, this is an example of a public speech and her friend would come in and give us the spiel on how to like do pyramid schemes. It was totally sketchy. And our final exam was take out a piece of paper, take out a piece of paper, write your name on it. We wrote her name on it. Write it big, 100% on the top, pass it in. She was, all right, that's your final exam. Have a good life. And uh, we all got 100% on our final exams, and that was pretty awesome. But back to the story, because, you know, I went off on a tangent. We had to give a public speech, and I decided how to remove fish hooks, dot, 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 from people. And I had this whole speech. I called up the local hospital in Fredericksburg, and they said the majority of hooks are in fingers and buttocks. And I got one of those giant foam fingers you have at sporting events, and I made a giant fish hook out of a hanger and stuck it in there and showed how you push the hook through and you cut the barb off and then you pull it through and you bandage it up and it's all good. Well, it doesn't always work that way. So let's skip forward to my great speech, which I researched and referenced and had anecdotes about the kid and the hook in the finger. And my roommate, Gary, probably had some anecdote in there. We're going to skip forward to Labor Day of 2001. My then girlfriend, now wife, and I were at Cape May, New Jersey. No, no, not Cape May, New Jersey. We were at, where were we? Labor Day weekend. Jersey Shore. I don't know where. Her friend's band called Stronger Than Dirt was playing. They're a really huge cover band in Jersey. Their biggest competition is that band, The Nerds. And we were fishing before this concert, and I, I play really bad harmonica. And I was playing and joining the band that night on some Grateful Dead and Allman Brothers songs. So we had a couple of beers, went to the beach, and I'm throwing uh, nine foot eight weight at the beach. I got my cast uh, down, I've got my stripping basket on, and I'm throwing a 350 grain sink depth charge with uh, one or two clousers on it. And normally I debarb all my hooks, but for some reason, maybe a couple beers in me. Maybe just uh, excited about playing in a band that night. Maybe it could have just been uh, I'm at the Jersey Shore and I get eat lots of fried junk food for the weekend. I did not debarb my clouser. And I'm casting, I'm casting, I'm getting nothing. So I, I wade out, you know, ways deep into the Jersey Shore. There's no needles or duties, so it was kind of safe. And I go to cast and I was like, where is my fly? And I'm like casting, roll casting in my line. Isn't going anywhere. So I follow the line out of the tip of my rod, and it goes to my right. It goes through the waves and up. And then I see the end of my fly line, and I see the leader start. I follow the leader and all the way into my right hand behind my watch. And there's a one-aught must-add saltwater hook embedded in my skinny little uh, arms. You know, I got arms like a five-year-old girl. It's kind of pathetic. Um, it was it was in there and I tried pushing it through and tried pulling it out and it just wasn't happening. I started getting a little nauseous, a little lightheaded. So finally I said, you know what? We're going to have to go to the hospital. This is before smartphones. I don't know where we are. I don't know where the closest hospital is. So I cut the line. I've got this big clouser on my arm. I'm walking down the street and I'm showing everybody. I'm like, Hey, look at me. I got a fly on my arm. People are just sitting outside drinking their Coors Light and nodding their heads. 
We got the name of the hospital. It's an ER. It's like four miles down the street. We go in there, and I'm sitting in the hospital waiting room, and I'm just, you know, sitting with my arms behind my head, you know, fly sticking out, and start looking around, you know, the room. There's uh, people with like ice packs on bloody noses and like broken bones, and some dude like fell down the stairs and, and broke his hand. And I'm in the best shape of everybody. After like an hour or two of that, they call me in, and the one thing I wanted to know was. What had people come into the emergency room with up their backside? I'm talking about the rectum, kids, if you don't know what I mean by backside. And to quote her, baby food jar, Grey Poupon jar, and another person came in, this is plural, Barbie doll heads. That's that's more than one Barbie doll was up somebody's poop chute. Go figure. So finally, after screwing around, they take me in the back. I have the meanest nurse of all time. The lady had no sense of humor. The doctors come by, look at me. They inject me with lidocaine. And while they're waiting for that to work, they go to the janitor's closet across from my gurney. They open the janitor's closet door. They pull out a Home Depot brand toolbox. The doctor proceeds to take out a pair of pliers with orange, like rubber sticky grip on them. He walks over and proceeds to pull the hook out. He's ripping it through my flesh. It kind of sounded like somebody eating like a mouthful of popcorn. It had this crunchy, ripping, tearing, nasty sound to it. And I'm like covering my my eyes with my hand looking through. And finally, the thing pops out with like a... And I'm like, dude, that was just heinous. That was disgusting, dude. He bandages me up. I get to keep the fly. And then this nurse comes by and she decides she's going to give me my tetanus shot. And this woman had no mercy. She takes that thing and stabs the bejeebus out of my shoulder. And she must have enjoyed it. She was a sick, twisted lady. And then I was off back to the bar and everyone, for some reason, heard I got a hook in my eye. So they're all disappointed when I come back, my arms all bandaged. Had a couple... Couple beers, couple you know, baskets of chicken fingers and some fries, and I got up and I jammed on a couple songs, and uh, then we drove back to Steve's place at like four in the morning, which is the worst drive ever. When you're sobered up and it's four in the morning, and you drove up from Virginia the day before, it was pretty awful. And so I was on antibiotics for like two weeks, and and that was it. So moral of the story is, hey, debarb all those those flies of yours, man. So skip forward, you know, I get plenty of hooks that are debarbed in my, my, my own body. I've had clients, um, my friend Jesse hooked himself in the bridge of his nose in high school. I've had clients hook fingers. I've had clients hook necks, arms, um, you name it. I've seen hooks go through a lot of different places and luckily they've all been debarbed. Let's fast forward to July of, I want to say 2009. It's July 4th specifically, and it's uh, Brackenridge, Colorado season. And I fished with Tom that, you know, for two days on the South Platte River. I was fishing those, my mice patterns, and we got all liquored up, and we're shooting guns at night. You got to keep the mountain lions away. And then Tom goes back to Denver. He's an EMT, he's a medic, so he's got to go back to work. So July 4th, I get up pretty early, and I know traffic in town on July 4th is pretty bad, so I don't go down to the Frisco area, down mountain. I go over Hoosier Pass, and I go down and fish. Where did I go fish? It was 69 Ranch. <laughs> Giggle. 
So I fished 69 Ranch in Knight Immler. It's meandering Middle Fork of the South Platte. It goes into Antero Reservoir. And I've got, uh, I don't know what rod I'm fishing, probably nine foot, five or six weight. And I break my rod. And I drove all the way out there with one rod in the rental car. So I'm like, all right, screw it. Let's go back to the condo. Drive the 40 minutes back up over the mountain. And I stop, have lunch, and I'm like, all right, traffic's lighting up. I'm going to go down and fish around the Blue River. So I drive down, and the Snake River of Colorado in Summit County comes through, starts around Keystone. The Keystone area is stocked with some big, big trout. And then it dumps into Dillon Reservoir. So I fish the mouth, and there's something wrong with the fish down there. They were facing perpendicular to the current. They were facing downstream. You can go to my YouTube and see some pretty awful videos of how weird and dumb these fish were. And I'm not catching anything. And I can tell you that was the coldest water I've ever felt. Fresh snow melt. They call it liquid snow. I walked through, you know, I'm wearing my Chaco flip-flops, maybe ankle-deep water and almost passed out. It was so cold. It was like brain freeze that started on my ankles and went up to my head. And I keep walking after I cross this section. I find this huge, like, rock wall and this just turquoise blue deep hole. Must have been seven or eight feet deep with some overhanging trees. And I'm thinking, man, if this is not some of the best-looking water to find some, like, four, six-pound trout hiding in that depth, it's got to be in there. So I got my super fine eight-foot four-weight rod, the thing you can bend in half. It's a real noodly rod. And I pick out my favorite trout streamer. In fact, it's my only trout streamer. I only fish one streamer for trout. It's my bacon fly. In fact, tonight I've got to tie some for the Project Healing Waters 2 fly this weekend. And I tie it on, and I'm casting it, and it's super awkward because it's weighted with wire around the shank, and it's got a tungsten head. And I'm like, you know what? The water's so fast, I'm not getting down. So I take out some split shot, and I put on like three BBs. Now... It completely throws off the cast. I've got this nasty tailing loop, and it's just not working. It's a size 4X long streamer hook, size 4. They're big. I mean, it's it's a big hook. And I go to cast, and I double haul it. And it bounces off the wall. I strip it through the hole, nothing. Another couple of times, and then I strip out like 7 more feet, 8 more feet, 9 more feet. I'm going to throw a huge cast upriver, mend, 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 see if I can get this down to the bottom. So I cast, and I throw that line, and all of a sudden I hear a sound. And I'm like, what was that? And I look down, lo and behold, I've got this four-inch-long fly stuck in my right forearm, exact opposite side of where the one the clouds had been a couple years before. I'm like, well, S-H-I, beep. I push it. I pull it with my hemostats, nothing. I'm like, all right, it's just subcutaneous. I'll cut it out. I go to reach my Leatherman. Nope, no Leatherman because I flew on an airplane and I took only carry-on, so no knives. I'm like, well, damn it. If Tom was here, he could have shot me full of something and popped it out. He's an EMT. But Tom's back in Denver doing his EMT business. So I go through my shoulder bag, and I'm like, all right, what do I have? What do I have? I got duct tape, got hemostats, and I got a cigar cutter. Like, well, I could break the cigar cutter and cut my flesh and pop this thing out. I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Well, I can't get my cheap cigar cutter apart. And I probably would have thrown up if I had blood squirting out of my arm from doing that. I'm not really um, into self-injury even to remove a fish hook. And the thing is, both these hooks never felt them go in. So I cut the leader. I'm like, all right, I'm going to 
tying a new fly, fish for a little bit with this thing sticking out of my arm. But now it's wobbling back and forth. So I take duct tape and tape it down, fish for another 10 minutes. And I'm like, all right, it's July 4th. I probably am not going to get this out at the hospital. There's probably a ton of people that have gotten firecracker injuries. So I pack up, reel up, get in the car, drive over to Frisco Hospital, which you know from a previous podcast, nicest hospital ever. It's all like crown molding, hardwood floors, leather sofas, and they got these big stone fireplaces. It looks like a ski lodge. And I walk in there, and no one else is there, to my surprise. So I uh, tell them, hey, look, I I just need a shot of lidocaine, and you can pop this out for me. They're like, oh, another fish hook. This happens all the time because we're on the lake. So the wait was maybe 30, 40 seconds. They call me in the back. The doctor comes over. He's like, oh, no no worries. No lidocaine. There's going to be no blood. And I said to my quite attractive nurse, I said, uh, Miss Miss Nurse in your July 4th scrubs, would you mind filming him taking this out for YouTube? She's like, no, no worries. No worries at all. So I have my little camcorder, and she she's holding on to it. And the doctor's like, I'll be right back. He comes back in, and he's got uh, dental floss, like, Dental tape, whatever. And he takes about two feet off, cuts it. He puts it around the hook. And I'm like, all right, you need to film. You need to film. You need to film this. And the nurse clicks the button. He takes one hand, pushes down the eye of the hook, takes his other hand with the monofilament and pulls. And that hook popped out like this. Not even a drop of blood. It was, he put some alcohol on it, bandaged me up. I paid my $100 copay. I was out of there. I finally saw the mono method. So if you need to find it, it's on YouTube on my YouTube page. Go back to the condo. My arm's all bandaged. The first thing my wife says, how much is that going to cost me? I'm like, don't you care that I had this traumatic event, this huge sharp hook through my arm? She's like, no, you idiot. You forgot to debarb it. It's your fault. So I'm like, all right, great. So I got that on YouTube and I'm like, all right, now I know how to do the mono method if it ever happens. It was on my arm. I couldn't have done it myself because I needed two hands. So flashback to last night. We're doing a little shad and snakehead tying. It's uh, end of April 2013, and, and Rebecca comes over. You know her from Steelhead Fishing. And she caught a huge channel cat the other day on my wormy pattern in the tidal basin. The thing was awesome. Huge crowd pleaser in, in the tidal basin. She's cranking out shad flies. I'm doing snakehead flies because snakeheads are about to come off their spawn and they're ready to eat. And I just got off the phone uh, right now with Fish and Wildlife and the U.S. Park Police. We are working on a case because we believe that some of the people that are snagging snakeheads down on the Potomac are going to be relocating them to other waterways to breed them for food and commercial uses, which is highly illegal. So we'll hear about that after that's said and done. We'll do a podcast. So we're tying, and I'm using these one-aught bass hooks from Orvis. And I'm telling Rebecca, I'm like, these hooks are so freaking sharp. Just touch that. Just touch the tip of it. Super sharp. She's like, that is sharp. So she's cranking out shad flies. I'm doing my my curly tail snakehead flies. And I switched to using Will Herzniak's curly tails that he sells to Eastern Trophies. They're made out of pseudo suede. They're not the rubber tails. I usually use much stronger. And I crowd the hook on this, crowd the eye on this one fly. I'm super pissed. I'm like, man, I just spent five minutes putting all this time and effort into making this thing with the, the weed guard that I'm gluing down so it doesn't come out and wrapping things and this and that. So I'm trying to push it back while it's in my regal vice and it's not working because I need space to get um, a piece of monofilament through the eye of the hook 
to make sure I can tie it on. It's not working. So I take it off and I'm holding the fly in my left hand and I'm pushing the I have the dumbbells back with my right hand and somehow I slip and that hook goes right into my finger, right? We've got about two millimeters to the left of my left nail. And I'm like, oh no, this is not good. And first, you know, I'm like, all right, it's no good, but hey, I know the mono method. So uh, we look at it. We're pondering what to do. It's bleeding a little bit. Go into my gear closet up here. I grab some 20 pound mono and wrap it around. With my thumb, I push the eye down. With my left hand, I yank. And it hurts. It's not coming out. Rebecca tries, and it's just not coming out. Call up Holt. He's an EMT. I ask what he says to do. He's like, put your hand in a thing of ice water and ice it down till it's numb and push it through and cut it. So I put my hand in a bowl of ice water. And Rebecca, she's documenting it for me. So we'll have pictures of that with all the other pictures on my blog post when I get to it. So we're pushing it through, and it's just not happening. So I'm like, let's try the mono method again. She yanks on it. I yank on it. It's just it's not happening. So I text Tom's wife. She's better at, at texting than me, and I send her a picture, and she's like, yep, you're going to have to go to the ER with that one. She's also a medic. So I'm like, all right, Rebecca, uh, you know, my wife's not here. You're going to have to watch my kid for me. She's like, no worries. I set her up with the TV, and I'm like, bars, beer's all yours. And... uh put my jacket on and I'm wearing a sleeveless shirt and my camo pants and flip flops. And I roll over the hospital and I walk in and the lady at the front desk is like, Mr. Snow White, I recognize you from your last name from last time you were here. I'm like, great lady. That's, that's why I've got the last name of Snow White. So people remember me at the hospital. And it only took a couple minutes for the waiting room. Everyone's there like doubled over. Like they got inguinal hernias going on or something. And there's a lady with like a painter's bucket chundering in it. So it's it's always the show in the hospital waiting room. And I'm the guy with the, you know, the finger with the hook sticking out of it. They take me in the back and the nurses come around and I'm like, yeah, just pop it full of lidocaine and just pop it out. She's like, standard protocol, we're pushing that through. I'm like, all right, as long as I can film it on my phone for YouTube. She's like, you can't film back here. I'm like, what if I film it and you don't know I'm filming it? She's like, you're not filming me taking the hook out. So they do my blood pressure. They're like, you're elevated. Of course, you got a hook in your finger. And then uh, they take me to the back. And they're like, wait here in the waiting area. Well, there's no rooms available. So she just brings over this little wheeled table. She looks at it. She's like, all right, now uh, for the painful part. I'm going to be numbing your hand, your, your right index finger. But I need to stab you multiple times to find the nerves in order to do it. Now, I know as a kid, you took one of those rectangular square batteries and put it on your tongue and got zapped. Imagine that times like 20, 30, 50. That's what it felt like when she's taking this five-inch needle and probing through my finger looking for the nerve. And she's, and it's still numb. This was 9.30 last night. It's 1.21 p.m. today on Wednesday. And my finger's still numb. So she numbs it up, and then she takes out Betadine and cleans it. And uh, I'm trying to take pictures, and she's like, no, you're not doing that. So she pushes it through, and I don't even know it because, I mean, I can feel her probing, but I can't actually feel it go through. And then I hear, pink, and I know she pushed it through and cut it off. So then she puts the hook or the, the fly down in the hemostats and walks off. And I'm like, woohoo, photo time. So I sneak up with my camera phone. I got it on silent. I take pictures, and there's just blood 
just dripping out of my index finger like a faucet. If I had done this at home, it would not have been good. There was a lot of blood. So there's betadine in the background, and under my index finger in the picture, it's just like just dripping. So she comes by and she goos it up with antibacterial and then she wraps it up my finger in this giant, it looks like a turban on my entire index finger. And she threw out the fly before I could grab it. Cause you know, it's got dumbbell eyes on it, like the good ones from spirit river. And it's got one of these curly tails on it together. That's like, that's good material. You know, I'm, I'm not going to waste it. Or I could just frame this thing to remind me how stupid I am. I got a hook through my finger again. You'd think after three times. But, you know, previously I debarb when I fish them. Now I'm going to start debarbing before I put them in the vise. So all said and done, I give the lady, uh, I know it's a $100 copay. So I go to all my tip money from the last uh, couple of days and I grab $100 out of my tip, put it in my pocket before I left for the hospital and I pay her and, and, um, they were all in good spirits. They had a good laugh that, you know, I wasn't like crying and bawling and being a, a girly man. And she said, I said, in your personal opinion, is it better to try and do this in the field or at home versus coming to the hospital? She's like, due to infections, the hooks, if they were wet before it went into your finger, she's like, you need to do this at the hospital. And Rebecca had been Googling on her phone and YouTube removal of fish hooks. And we saw the mono method on, you know, a boat or whatever. And it looks easy enough, but you're out there. It's not a sterile environment. I don't have the best immune system. Um, my daughter was just running snot everywhere yesterday. So who knows what kind of germs I already had in me. Could have had a weakened immune system. I don't want to get an infection and lose my, my stripping finger. So, yeah, I come home about 10 o'clock and, and show Rebecca my finger and uh, decide I'm going to have it a drink. And she's like, I need to get going. So she, she was watching the Potomac documentary. I'll, I'll go watch that now. Cause my kid's napping and uh, we, she had a long day, three hour guiding this morning. Client caught a huge striper. It was awesome. So that's said and done. Uh, you know, the podcast was brought to you by stupidity and the shout out is a thank you to Rebecca for keeping me in good spirits and trying to help yank it out and for helping document it and for watching my kid while I went to the emergency room. So after $300, I still really haven't learned the lesson about debarbed hooks. That's why I'd prefer, uh, prefer to buy my hooks from Flyshack debarb. You don't have to worry about that. So that's where I leave you today. Uh, just remember to debarb your hooks, not only just for you, but like if you get that in a raincoat or a fleece, it's going to make a huge hole. You already know you can't get barbed hooks out of wool. You can't get them out of shoelaces. It's more damage to you that I'm worried about it myself with barbed hooks and last night was just a reminder. So my finger hurts a lot. You can see the entry hole and the exit hole. And um, yeah, I'm at about a hundred bucks. That was gonna be my, my beer money. I was gonna buy some good beer for the project Hill and waters Two fly tournament this weekend. So it looks like I'm going to get cheap beer uh, PBR long necks. And I've got some moonshine for my mechanic. I got blackberry and I got peach. So we'll be drinking those by the campfire and maybe we'll do some more podcasting from the campfire. So the next podcast is going to be uh, bone fishing, how to prepare for bone fish trip. And the one after that is going to be uh, called, so you want to become a fly fishing guide. And that one was uh, is based on a lot of experience of me, uh, trials and tribulations. So hope you guys enjoy uh, many thanks to Jason for producing this. Jason came down a couple weeks ago, got a huge crappy and a nice shad. And, um, 
Got to also give Jason a props, shout out, many thanks to redoing the website. So if you haven't been to the website, www.robsnowwhite.com. If you follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you already saw the pictures of the hook and the finger, and now you know the whole story. And I'm going to go watch the Potomac documentary. So, Jason, take it away. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. media at freestone-media.com.